My name is Jeff Lerner, and I interview elite performers from a wide range of disciplines, entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, scientists, artists, and more. This is Unlock Your Potential. Welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Potential. Jeff Lerner, your host. Always so excited to be back with you, having these amazing conversations with these amazing human beings. Today, we are joined by another one, Matt Calderoni. He is the co-founder and CEO of Molitium. After playing professional soccer in Italy, Matt started Molitium in 2015 to help athletes find a better way to tap into their extra gear and train themselves mentally. We're going to get into that a lot more. Uh, at 22 years old, he was one of the youngest mental coaches ever to work with a professional hockey player in the National Hockey League. Uh, to date, Molitium has served over 5,300 high performers globally, ranging from professional athletes, corporations, and even education systems. Matt uh, continues to lead Molitium with his brother, Chris, along with investing, participating in businesses and ideas that better humanity and move the world forward. And I can say uh, on a personal note, I was connected to Matt by a very good mutual friend. Um, and I've gotten to know Matt a little bit. Uh, it's probably been a couple months have gone by since we were introduced. And he's a, he's a hell of a guy and a super cool story and has a lot to share on one of my favorite subjects, which is uh, mental resilience and mm. basically how to not be a little wuss and let life beat you up. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Dude, that That's last like, part that you said, like summing it up is... Uh... That's a pretty, honestly, man, to a certain extent, that's not too bad of a definition. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, you that. can't put that in the brochure because then you like offend <laughs> people. But, but I mean, that's, okay, well, I'll, before we go there, let's talk about how we got there or how you sure. got here. Um, and then we're going to get into the whole, like, not being a wuss thing. So, you obviously are not a wuss. You played uh, professional sports at an elite level. Why don't you, I don't know, start there or wherever you think this journey really begins. Truly began a uh, 12-year-old soccer player, honestly. 12 years old, had a dream to be a professional soccer player, grew up being a very passionate Italian kid who naturally ate way too much of Nana's pastas and good foods, was rounder, didn't do too well when I was 12 years old when I made my first like jump to, uh, we'll call it representational soccer, which was like bigger than house league, obviously. And I had a coach at that age who told me like, hey man, I don't think this is the right sport for you. You're evidently not you know, the right physique for it. You are not too good as a goalkeeper itself. And maybe this should just be something that you reach as a passion and not necessarily as something you take so serious. And um, man, that was really, that was tough for me because that was something that like, you, you can't tell a 12 year old kid your dreams are over. Like I haven't even started yet, right? Right. So at that age, man, that's, I'll never forget. Like my father came out to the field, gave the coach a piece of his mind and basically came home and said to me, he goes like, listen, with my mom, he goes, do you want to do this or not? We support you either way. And I said, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Like, I want to be a pro soccer player. It's my dream. I, I think I can do it. So literally that day, I've said this before, but started keeping a journal about like the different things I was doing to essentially battle my own mental demons, where it was like, you know, the feelings of insecurity, proving people wrong. Is that really a good thing to do? And I still have this journal today that we've, you know, referred to a couple of times. It's a really cool thing to have. Um, but then at the age of 17, man, I was a bit of a late bloomer. I finally got an offer for a scholarship to a local university here in Toronto, the Ontario Tech University. And um, went in there, man, as a freshman, crushed it, became all freshman of the year, rookie of the year. And then I said, you know what? Like, 
I lost all the weight, came into college at 230 pounds, which was really, really, really heavy. Decided to lose it all and left there at about 175. And then I said that summer, I went through my own paces and I was like, you know what? Why not do this pro thing? Like, who cares? Screw it. Let's do it. So called my, well, actually called my grandmother who called my uncle in Italy, said, hey, do you have an opportunity for my grandson? And my uncle or my great uncle said like, you know what? I actually kind of know the owner of a team here who I don't know if they're super pro or whatever it is, but come try it out. So I actually ended up going there originally for goalkeeping, like just training because I was a goalkeeper and they really liked me and they're like, Hey, you know what? Like, I really think you should invest and stay here and so on. Long story short, uh, things didn't work out financially there for the long term. It did for a short stint, which was great. So I came back home in and, you know, I'll never forget being there, honestly, when it came to it, Jeff, like I, I had the different mental coaches and sports psychologists and therapists that I was trying to work with. And it was good. It just, it wasn't my style that I needed at the time. It wasn't so, I didn't need so much of a therapeutic type of approach. I needed more of like a, a coach. So came home in 2015, started this company with my brother. And we really wanted to dive deep on what like made players or people in life in general, kind of get to that next level. And after putting in our research, we found it was essentially mental toughness or what we dug even deeper on and found resilience as a whole. And that led us down this path, tested stuff out when I was about 22, like you mentioned in the NHL with a player, crushed it with him for about seven weeks and then sold the story. And now we're here and we've grown this thing, which is awesome where it started with athletes. And now it's pretty much everybody under the sun in to some degree, I should say that really just needs to find their breakthrough in a sense of life. So first of all, first thing I got to ask, how tall are you? I'm only six foot. Okay. Because so actually, and you may or may not know this, the guy that introduced us, Aaron, yep. uh, was a was a goalie soccer player. You probably, I, I would think that two goalies would have that <laughs> to talk about and probably would. Um, and he's maybe, I want to guess five five eleven, five, you know, five ten five five eleven. And so I've talked to him about goalie stature, size, reach, and like that's short. Like six feet is very short for a goalie. Yes, man. In, Dude, in high levels like, of soccer, right? You're right. Like average height is six two with a heavy, heavy, well, wide, I should say, wingspan. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, being a shorter goalkeeper, you just have to learn how to how to be better. Like, there's no other way around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's that's okay. Um, and so you did that. You came back. I mean, I feel like there's like all like that's like the story, and I appreciate you telling this story, but I feel like. There's a lot of nuance. There's probably a lot of fine detail in the cracks of that story that is, that in a sense is the real story. So tell me about like the real gritty hard stuff that, you know, and, and I'm sure there's more than one instance of that, but like, give me an example of something where you're like, okay, this, you know, I earned the right to talk to people about resilience by doing yep. that. Honestly, getting bullied from that age between like grades, we'll call it eight, probably until I was about in grade 11, I would say. Mm -hmm. That was where it was like, look, life almost started falling apart to an extent where my parents went through a really, really, really rough divorce when I was in grade 10. So you had to balance that. You had to balance this idea at school where people 
kids are mean sometimes, majority of the time, and they really don't care or care about what you're going through. They care about what they see. And I would honestly say, man, like that was probably where I could really see that I was able to deal with a lot of shit in my life and move forwards from it and still find ways to be successful. And that in itself of just having this understanding, man, of how to not even overcome it. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to use that term. It's not overcome it, man. It's, it's stick with it. That's a really big one where it's like, just understanding this idea of how to balance that all, keep myself intact mentally, learn how to go through the hard times and stick with what I wanted, regardless of what people were saying. That's really where I feel like I knew this was probably going to be down in some point in my life, my destiny. So I just, while you were, while you were talking, I Googled um, the etymology of the word resilience and it comes from the Latin verb resilire, which means to rebound or recoil. So to your point, it's not about getting past the thing. It's about knowing that you can get hit back. You can get pushed back and you'll, yep. you can rebound back to where you were. Um, so it's interesting. You started uh, investigating, you know, what what is the common trait of high achievers? You landed on resilience. I started this podcast basically as the same research like what is it that brings this the commonality of all these outlier high achievers across a lot in my case i was i started with entrepreneurs but it's expanded obviously beyond that mm -hmm. um athletes you know uh, entertainers celebrities and and just people that get outlier results in general and i started with the same research and i basically have arrived at the same conclusion um in fact and, and it's even even to the level where like bullying, I'll bet you at least 50% of the guests I've had on this show, because I got bullied a lot as a kid, there's been some amount of bullying that's come up or come out that, that we've shared in common. And uh, to the point where after, you know, however many, I don't know, 250 or so episodes of this show, I've basically decided that like, you're actually unlucky if enough really kind of hard, bad stuff doesn't happen to you, yep. because then you never actually get to develop those traits that over time will lead you to what you're, what you're capable of. Um, so it's interesting. We, we started with the same intent. We've arrived at the same conclusion. It really is about resilience. I, I completely agree. Um, so you come back, uh, didn't work out in Italy. You're 22 years old. How did you convince a professional hockey player well, first of all, what were they dealing with and how'd you convince them that you could, you know, some kid could help them deal with it? And because that seems like a pretty big gamble for a professional athlete to take on some unproven young guy that had a brief stint playing goalie overseas. Like, why? Why Why would I pick you to help me put when my whole career's on the line? This is actually the funny part and the ironic part. It was my resilience that allowed me to get to the goalie. Right. And it's like, I'll never forget it. So I started emailing this guy's agent when it was in November. I finally got to sit down with the guy in February. And the only reason I stayed, I should say, one of the main reasons I stayed as resilient as I did was for two things, three things. One, my father's like, listen, he's on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Things are going catastrophically right now. What does he have to lose? Like, go for mm -hmm. it. 
Second thing was like, if the reward was great, like, listen, if I got that at 22 years old, it's like to hell with it, man. Like, go for it. If you, if you get it, this can lead to something really, really good. He was part of one of the biggest agencies in hockey. So it's like, if I do it well with him, Hey, mm-hmm. like whiz kid coming through. And the third part, man, I really had nothing to lose plain and simple. Like I just started my business. I had no idea how to run a business. I wasn't like one of these guys that you hear, like the influencers that, you know, studied business after college and they got it when they were 20 and then they took off. I had no idea, man. So just started literally emailing the agent in every possible way that I could think of to entice him. Sending, I sent a 15 page report of exactly what I would do with the athlete attached as a, as a Microsoft word document at the time to him to be like, Hey, listen, here's where I see the nuances. Here's the body language. Here are the different games I've observed. Here's what I can see. The stick tap, the checkout, the checking of the clock, the head nods, all of that, like social cueing, facial cueing, all that cueing. It's there. I think I can help him here, here, and here. Agent wasn't responding. So finally just got on the phone and started calling the agent. Then the receptionist started to get to know me. And the receptionist started to understand that as a familiar voice. Then I started just sending hard copies to the agent. I was like, screw it. Like, what do I have to lose? Went to FedEx, went to the mail, just started sending them, spent money on that. Finally, we broke them. And finally, he took the call, the agent. Actually, his his assistant took the call and said, hey, look, player X, he is willing to try anything. Hmm. Luck. And it's like, all right, let's do it. So finally got to speak to the guy and that was it. Yeah, so this is like sophisticated stuff that you're dealing with, um, you know, sports psychology, and it's not just sports, obviously, but, you know, performance psychology, whatnot. And you you dropped out of college, what, your freshman year to go, no, to go I, pursue the pro thing? I didn't actually. I did the pro thing in the summers. Oh, okay. So enough. you finished yeah. college. What I was your major? College. Like, is this what you studied? I majored in kinesiology. I minored in psychology. And then when I actually came home from um, playing pro, I was going to go down the route of sports psychology. I just didn't agree with a lot of the practices in it. And that was something that I pivoted on my own and just did. Yeah. I mean, even looking at you now, like you present very young. I don't know how old you actually are. And maybe maybe that's a question you want to answer, but- 29. 29. Okay. So, I mean, you're, you're still young and that, I'm 44 and I, I guess I, people tell me, I don't know, I get different opinions about whether that's young or old. That's super or what, young, man. What 44 <laughs> really means. But no, I mean, I, I love just the, the freaking, I don't know, the chutzpah, man, to be so young and now you're 29. And I mean, you're doing this for multiple professional athletes guys i watch on tv i know like like kyle kuzma and i don't are you I, I, that's one that i know you have permission to talk about are there yeah like are your are your clients like secret is it secret like you're their secret weapon and you're not supposed to say who they are or some yes some no um like it's funny man it's it really depends on on the belief systems of the athletes themselves like one of the best 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 success stories that we can share on briefly is Larry Markkinen, who we've, you know, really impacted in a way, but he's done a lot of on, on his own work, but it's like, you look at these success stories of some of these players, like Larry's, he's a three year in the making all-star, right? Who just became an NBA all-star this past year. And it's like, people only see that last year of the all-star. And it's like, this wasn't it. Like all the stuff that individual had to get through to get here nobody will ever be able to conceive themselves until they go through it themselves. And it's just, 
man, to go back to it, like, yeah, I guess the balls to have to do something, honestly, Jeff, it's for me personally, and what still runs at the center of our company, it's knowing it's the right thing to do. Like if mm-hmm. I know that I can help an athlete as self-centered as you might want to call it, and my company can, why would I wait behind a screen to try and help them? Okay. I am so glad you said this. You know, we, we talk a lot in my world about this whole imposter syndrome or a lot of people have reticence around this idea of being a self-promoter and really pushing themselves out there. They feel like it's pushy or salesy. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I say this all the time is like, look, either you've done the work or you haven't, either you've built the value or you haven't. And if you haven't built the value, then it's good that you have some you know, ambivalence around over-promoting yourself. But also then what the hell are you waiting for? Why are you yep. not doing the work to build the value? Like what you just want to be like a, a non-value person who has nothing to promote? Correct. But if you have done the work, then how dare you, you know, so starve the world of this yes. amazing value that you have to offer? Yes. So I'm glad. I'm, I'm so glad you, not only you said it, I'm so glad you're living it and doing it and showing people what it looks like, you know, still in your 20s. Is there is there more to the uh, and and I'm a obviously I live in I'm in Utah so thanks for helping the jazz. Um, is there is there much I mean is there anything really cool to unpack from that story with with Larry Markinen? I think with Larry one of the most interesting things is um, he's just got there's an open mindedness to Larry that I think a lot of people um, sometimes people miss behind these high performers. And the thing that's interesting with that too, and without giving too much away of like what we what we obviously do with him because that's private, but Larry was never a guy and never is still a guy to shy away from doing things that can innovate him. And that's important. And even to pivot with different guys, like I see this common trait with a lot of the athletes we work with, like Kyle's the same way. Kyle is a very open-minded individual to what he needs to do. And like, the different like we see another inspirational guy like dj reed it's like all these guys have these different ways of doing what they do but they're all open-minded to doing it and if there's one thing i'll say from all of their stories combined all of them were at a point like all of them were at a point where it was something of it's a make or break time i've either got to do this or i don't and they do it and it's like that alone man that right there is what I'm starting to notice. Like we say when it starts with resilience and real resilience, like you need to have a commitment to something, right? And it's like, if you don't have a commitment to where you want to go and how you want to break through to that way, you're there's nothing to be resilient towards. Resilient means you're adapting to something. So people that don't have a real commitment to what they want, it's like, that's where I'm seeing with these top guys that there's something there. Like Larry's always wanted to be an all-star and he worked his ass off for it. DJ's always wanted to be a top dog in the NFL and he's worked his ass off for it. Kyle's wanting to do some just magnificent stuff in all of life and he's working his ass off for it. And it's like all these guys have that commitment to what they want and they do it. So so what do you say to this person? And I don't know if any, you actually have heard this or not, but let's just sort of abstract a, a, a perspective here and say, well, of course, man, you're working with people that are already gifted and now they're rich Mm -hmm. and you're helping them 
build on their gifts and invest their wealth into that so they can get one, you know, 0.2% better. Like, what do you freaking do? What the hell does any of what you do or say have to do with the life of the average guy on the street? Everything. Hey, mm. when I started with DJ Reed, huh, I love that man like a brother. All these guys I do, but that man, him and I have a really positive history. DJ Reed was cut and on a rookie contract. He was released when he tore his pec two weeks before the season of going back with the San Francisco 49ers. DJ had nothing too. We worked with him for free for six months to basically prove our stuff. And it's like the average Joe, listen, man, just because it's dressed up as sports or business or parenting or any of it, like everybody needs resilience. I'm sorry, but even, even to a point where it's like, let's talk about it for a second. We've had before religious businesses hit us up about our profiling because of the fact that they're looking for the resilience of somebody to break through in their spiritual life. You have to, you have to be willing. How many times have you started a practice that you fall off from? Do they have the resilience to see it through? You're not going to find this amazingly widespread out there spiritual person right off the bat. It takes some time to go from religion to a different religion or whatever it might be. Everybody needs this. You want to be a great parent? Well, what happens if you you have the whole thing that happened in your past as a parent where you didn't really have the best upbringing or you're maybe like us and you got bullied as a kid and you saw what kids are like? Do you know how many times I see people that want to have kids, but at the same time, there's that internal battle because it's like, well, this is a really messed up world right now. It's like, yeah, resilience is ever Sport might be the thing that it dresses up as sales. It might be the thing that dresses up as or business or high performance or whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, if you really want something in life, people dress up the word as resourceful. They dress it up as mental toughness. Everybody needs this thing. So, and you guys don't only work with with athletes and, and athletic organizations, right? I know you you've done a lot of you you guys have a whole program that works with goes into companies, right? And does like employee stuff. Mm -hmm. talk, talk to me, yeah, yeah. Tell me about some of the other contexts off the field, so to speak, where this applies. So this is interesting. So. To tell this story, it makes sense probably to talk a little bit about our resilience profiling. So mm -hmm. the resilience profiling is something we came up with back in 2016, where we really noticed that there was a little bit of a gap sometimes when it came to the personality profiling market in high performance, right? In, in sports and in business. That was it. We didn't try to break any psychological theories. We're not talking about that. The problem we saw though was that it almost neglected at times the coachability of the individual, meaning that if I know you are, let's say, blue dominant personality or whatever label you want to put on it, the question doesn't become, what do I do with that individual? The question becomes, how do I get them to the next level if there is one? And how do we know if there's a next level? So we didn't love that approach. We decided to really find a way to quantify this resilience. We found once we did our deeper research on it, there's four major quadrants. There's commitment or your ability to know who you want to be, know what you want, have a motivational purpose behind it and stick to it. There's a competence or your ability to uh, believe in yourself, trust in yourself, make the right decisions. Go ahead. Okay. Ho hold on because I'm Please. writing this down and I'm also <laughs> going to give a little beat here for anybody listening. To hey, like yeah. go get, get your phone out, open up your notes. <laughs> you have one of the world's foremost experts on resilience telling us that what this possibly most important character trait for success what it actually consists of. So I at least yeah. am going to take some notes. Sorry, go ahead, Absolutely. please. Resilience, no, four quadrants. 
Yeah, I'll break it down after two, even with some examples too. But um, there's a focus behind it, right? Once you understand what you're capable of, you got to remain focused on the task at hand. And then finally, if you could picture it like a pyramid right at the top is toughness. Like it's like when you have a commitment, you know what you need to do and you're focused, you can be tough. So when we understood this, the purpose that we went into it with and the reason we went into teams with this was, you know, and once we backed it up with the science and the research that we've done behind it and the countless case studies on it as well, um, we really wanted to make sure that it's like, look, this is about developing human beings to get to their best potential. Like if you look at self-actualization theories or, you know, the ideal self theories and all this kind of great psychological talk, all of them are talking about getting to that next level. And that's technically the therapeutic side, right? It's like, this is where you are. This is where you want to go. Let's talk through your problems or CBT your problems or whatever it might be. But there's an ideal self there. So when we created this, we said, well, what we really want to do is be able to gauge metrics on these individuals that we can look at this and say, okay, so Jeff has a really good level of commitment. He has a vision of what he wants. He's motivated. But where he's kind of continuously falling behind that we need to help him with is his competence, his understanding of things. So you got to think of it this way. Let's pretend I want to build a multi-million dollar business. And that's my commitment. I have my reasons. I'm motivated. I'm driven. Great. By the way, good call because most of our audience is entrepreneurs and they all probably want to do that. So there you go. Right. So the next question becomes, and this is a real thing we even see with CEOs. It's like, okay, so now that you want to build this business, the question becomes, do you have the competence to do it? Do you know what you need to do? Are you trusting of yourself? Or if you're not, what we often find is there's that push and pull of, like you were saying before, when we were talking about my story, it's like you have the balls to go and do it. If you know, if you trust your skills, you don't have to know exactly it, but if you trust your skills, you will leap. I promise you. Guarantee it. I've seen it every time. Once you leap, then it's like, well, once you leap and you get competent, where a lot of people lose their way, man, is they lose focus, aka shiny object syndrome. So because you think you're really good at sales or marketing, you decide that you want to go and sell and market for every other single business out there instead of your own, right? And it's like, that's where a lot of people fall off. So it's like, then you have to build that focus. And then finally, once you're able to, you have that commitment, you have your competence, you have your focus, some things might not work and you need to pivot. And that's where the toughness comes into play. So when we were able to break this down and understand it, it's like, we can gauge that on an entire team essentially within 25 minutes of taking this profile because we're able to get those metrics from the back end and be like, oh, you know what? You actually have the commitment and the competence. We need to tweak your focus specifically with you being able to shut out the noise and dealing with pressure. We can work on that. Let's work on it. We put a program together and we do. So really to kind of come back to answer your question, it's really about understanding when it comes to this and how to break it into other areas of life, those four quadrants of commitment, competence, focus, and toughness. Okay. So uh, I'm going to do a little bit of self-assessment. Are you okay using me as a guinea pig to sort Absolutely. of do um uh, you know emulate this process to, a little bit um so commitment uh i think that for where i'm at in my life i'm i've decided what i want and i'm pretty damn committed to it uh competence that's an interesting one i think we'll, we may talk more about it but i would say that uh where i probably am the weakest is focus mm -hmm. um you know, over the last, so like, for example, I took, I get here just a little bit of uh, context. I took back over my business. So my, uh, uh, my partner and I founded uh, Entra Institute about four and a half years ago. 
2019. So whatever, about four years ago, I guess. And uh, I was the CEO initially, and then he took over as CEO. We kind of flip-flopped, and I went out and did kind of the influencer thing, and I wrote a book, and I built the pod, I built this podcast, and I was like more out in front, not really in the in the business. And then about eight months ago, um, we had some some different things. We, I mean, the re- the reasons aren't probably relevant to the conversation, but I came back in as as CEO. Um, and he moved over to another executive seat in the company and, and then we had some other stuff we're doing. So I've basically been an CEO for the last eight or nine months and it's a way bigger company now than it was my first go around as CEO. My first go around as CEO, it was like, a, it felt like a small business, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's like, you know, 200 person headcount. We're pushing really hard. We have like a three to five year enterprise plan to get to a big of you know liquidity event and like like it's like high stakes real shit and there's like 200 people looking at me like i know what the hell i'm doing as a ceo right <laughs> um and what i find is uh you know so that's why i said maybe we'll circle back to the competence because you could you could probably debate my competence as ceo but i think i'm getting a pretty good sense of what the real competencies are as opposed mm-hmm. to like the superficial or maybe more more delegatable competencies like you can find people that are subject matter experts at this or that there's just certain things the things that make a great ceo i'm finding out are not the things that people probably think do until yeah. they're in the seat but but anyways but focus man like it is really hard and over the last 8 months i've been navigating us through what you to some degree you could call a turnaround not that financial performance was bad but there was some things that just needed to be like, it's like a house. We needed to rip the whole thing out down to the studs and rebuild it from the ground up. And I've been you know, overseeing that effort for the last eight or nine months. And it's like, I should be more focused than ever because the stakes are high. This is my life's work. My name and face are all over it. Like, and And the payoff is huge if I get it right. So it's like, there's no reason for me to not be focused but I still like there's days I wake up and I'm like, I honestly just want to play the, my piano all day and I want to honest. clear my meetings. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me like what that, what's under that and what you're the hell do just, I do about it? Dude, you're just, no, honestly. And this is, this is why I love these conversations because it actually shows the depth and complexity to things. Okay. So let's talk about this for a sec. So focus isn't just task focus, which is or concentration, which a lot of people associate it with. Let's talk about what you really need to do to be able to focus. Well, number one, you've got to be able to put down all the distractions and you got to know what those distractions are of the things you can't control and things that pull you away from what you're doing. That's number one. Okay. Number two, then there is that laser focus, if you want to call it that, or that concentration. Number three, there's being able to control your emotions. And number four, being able to have a purpose behind all these tasks. Okay. So that's focus. Let's park that for a sec. You got to look at what comes before focus. So people might be like, well, you know, like competence. So we believe competence comes before focus. And I'm going to explain why. I'm not talking about focus on knowing what you need to do and what strengths you need to build. When I'm talking focus, I mean, being able to remain locked in on the task at hand once you know what you have to get done. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of times, man, if we look at people that feel pressure, 
it's often because of the fact that they don't truly trust themselves. Because you got to think of something for a second. If you've delivered multiple times in a situation and you've handled that situation before with the depth and complexity that you have, it's not, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm saying it's going to be simple enough to remain focused on. And oftentimes we'll have athletes that'll be like, man, I'm feeling the pressure from my coach or a CEO, like in your position, I'm feeling the pressure of going public. It's like, how many times have you taken a, co- a public com- uh, company public before? Never. Mm. Okay. Do you know everything you need to do? Uh, like I would say I'm figuring it out as I keep going. Okay. Do you have the right advisors though to fill that hole and those voids when you are feeling a little shaky and off? Uh, not so really. Okay. So let's talk about it then. What do you normally do when you don't want to go toward a situation that you're really not sure of? You avoid pain and gain pleasure by doing something else, AKA what you're talking about in short or what I understand is procrastination. So a lot of times, man, people jump to the focusing because there's so much of that, we'll call it productivity porn that's out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Laser pro- focus productivity. It's like, let's back up for a sec. Do you, do you fully understand what you need to do and trust it? Mm. And if you do, you'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting. Okay. So I'm, I'm reevaluating the question of now, like, okay, what, why do I feel like I struggle with focus? Mm-hmm. When there's something that's I've declared and I and I experience is so important to me, yes. And what I'm hearing you say is perhaps it's not a focus issue. Mm-hmm. It's a, it actually could be a lack of clarity or confidence around the competence piece. Correct. And now you have me thinking, even the commitment piece, like committed to what. Yep. Like I'm not, are those like are these sequential commitment then yep. competence then focus then yep. toughness? To interject really quick, it's a pyramid, right? Commitments on the bottom, mm. competence comes second, focus comes third, toughness is the result. And it's like, so, sorry, you just one no, thing no, I'll say on that yeah, too. Yeah. You bring up a really good point, man. A very very good point. And you're talking about it. We call it committing to the reality of your process. And what a lot of people like to talk about, man, is being committed to this process, right? But it's like, let's talk about something for a second. You decided or anybody decides to take on the role of being the CEO of a company that's trying to go public. Did you fully understand what the reality of your process was? So there's a couple of things I feel fill into that, right? Family time. You know that naturally your priorities are going to be up to turn down a little bit in some areas of life and turned up in another because you committed to being the, the CEO of a company going public. Okay. Did you also commit to the developmental things that you need to be doing to de- take yourself to that next level? Are you going on the retreats each month or whatever it is? Are you doing that extra study group? Are you finding those mentors? Okay. That's a commitment of this process. Also, what's the state of the company like? Are you committing to the... Re- we often find, man, a lot of people that will come into situations That'll be like, oh, I can save a company. It's like, great. What's the reality of that process though? How many employees are there? Do you really feel that you're able to handle that? Maybe they're in a negative. Maybe they're in the reds. Have you ever done anything where you've taken it out of the reds before and done that? And it's like, this is what I mean by commitment, man. People don't, we hear it a lot of the times in the personal development world, but psychologically it's true. Oftentimes, man, people don't fully understand the extent of the commitment they need to make to get there. And that's hard. And then you look at it with kids, right? Like, dude, Kids in school, teachers, teachers even, man. Forget about the company part. Like teachers, 
You're molding the next minds of the world. Do you know what goes into that? There's family dynamics. There's all that stuff. You're going to be having to do work that you don't get paid for sometimes. That's a reality of your process, but you either commit or you don't. It's what it is. Hey there. Sorry to interrupt the show, but I just have a quick favor to ask. So we recently broke into the top 100 podcasts in the entrepreneurship category. We've been hovering around 75 and we're really trying to push up into like the top 20 and grow the impact of the show. So if you enjoy what we do here and you're a supporter, the biggest thing you could do to help would be to leave us a positive review. Uh, whatever platform you're listening on, you should be able to leave a quick review. Let the world know what you like about the show. Thank you so much for your time and uh, let's get back to it. Man, okay. So I, I love this because you're, I think you're drawing a really, really important distinction. And, and I know that like, at least 80% of the audience right now is like like leaning in and excited because so much of my audience, like we're people that are trying to build things. Yep. And what that means is that we have visualized a desired outcome or a, an, an a, a anticipated future state, right? And it's really easy to say, I'm committed to that outcome. But what the distinction you're making is, no, 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 no. There's no, you don't commit to an outcome. You commit to a process. Yep. And a process is happening right now. It's not a thing out there in the future. It's the right now. Yes. And, and to really ask, like, so I'm sitting here asking myself, oh, and by the way, I do need to clear something up because if any of my team members are listening this from <laughs> Mantra, uh, I'm not, we, we haven't exactly decided what three to five years looks like. So I just yep. want to be clear. I am not here declaring on this podcast episode that we're going public. I want to make sure that's not clear. <laughs> Um, or that that's what we're building towards. We have a, a couple different options, but anyway, uh, the the point is whatever that thing is, the, the process, you know, that and I guess as a practical matter, we, I, like I said, we have a few different potential outcomes, but they all involve a lot of the same process. Whether it was go public, whether it was sell the business, whether yes. it was bring in a strategic partner, investor, scaling partner, like whatever. It, it all, what it really all comes down to is getting our company, I, you know, I think of it, the term enterprise, like to enterprise grade a, a business is totally different than to just build a successful small business or even a successful large business. An enterprise grade business has governance. It has really well-defined SOPs. It has an operating system that's methodical and deliberate and intentional and documented. It has HR, it has all, you know, a, a, a tier one tech stack that, I mean, there's just so, you know, cybersecurity, like there's a whole other game that I'm having to play. And to your point, it was easy to commit to it when I didn't have the competence to even know all the fine detail of what I was committing to, because all I was really committing to was a desire for an outcome, which yep. actually doesn't mean shit because <laughs> the process will find out if you're really committed, the process will force you to develop the competence the pro and then the process will test if you actually have focus and then, okay, so now let's talk toughness because this is, this is really helpful. Um, and I, I tend to think of myself as a pretty tough person, mm -hmm. but I'm not also not sure that I actually know what I mean when I say that. So what, which would be more productive for me to tell you what I think I mean when I'm saying that, or for you to tell me what that word actually means in, in your lexicon. I can, it's one word. I can just say it. It's adaptability. Okay. It's just adaptability. Oh. Oh. That's all it is. Okay. 
right? Like toughness is interchangeable literally with adapting. So, and this is why I'm saying, man, it's a build-up process. Like a lot of people, man, run to the roof of the house and build a roof down instead of building a foundation up. You need a commitment, man. But look at you. Like, Jeff, why are you somebody that's able to, let's say, adapt or be tough? Well, man, you just said it before. You have a purpose. You have a vision. That's great. And there's grades to it, right? It's like you built the competence. You know what it's going to take. You have the focus. Now you have the toughness. And it's like, why do you have the toughness? It's like, well, you've done these things now and you've done them in the past before. But that next level, I'm talking about seeing that next level now because we even talk about it too with our athletes where it's like, or even the business people. Okay, so Larry, you want to become an all-star. Let's talk about the reality of that process. And it's not to scare anybody. Like, I don't I don't want people to mistake in this where I'm being like, stay realistic. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is though, first off, you have to understand, as human beings, I think we often forget we can figure out anything. We really can, man. With logical thinking and critical thinking and calling on people that you need to have help you, you can figure anything out. You can. I'm asking you, though, to get real with what's going to be in front of you. There was a study done. I'll just reference this quick to try and illustrate what I'm saying. There's a study done, man, with this false positivity crap. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can't reference the exact study. I remember reading it in a book. They took um, opening night chefs in New York. Okay. These chefs were upgrading and they just got the promotion from being basically like a sous chef to a head chef. Half of them, they went and told, Hey man, everything's going to be great today. It's going to be a fantastic opening. It's going to be awesome. You're ready. You're going to crush it. Then the other group, they're like, okay, listen, here's the truth. New York is busy. You're on a busy street. There's going to be a lot of stuff that happens. There might be some orders that get sent back, but I need you to be understanding and, and, and trust yourself to be able to handle those situations. It's going to happen, but don't be thrown off. Just stick to it. Dude, the ones that they fed the false positivity to had way worse opening night results in, re- in a response to adversity specifically than the group that was basically forecasted of, hey, here's the reality of what's going to happen. Being a head chef opening night in New York is friggin' hard. But you can do it. You're going to be okay. Just like taking a company that used to be a small business and coming back when you're the CEO of a multi-person business. It's like Steve Jobs with Apple, right? Like no difference. He just had better competence when he came back. Think of that exact scenario. He went and did it with, you know, uh, what was it again? Pixar. Did his thing with Pixar, comes back to Apple and he's like, oh, wait, done this process before. Let me apply. And he applied. But he knew what the reality of that process was because he saw it from start to finish. Yeah, so it's... I. I've- you kind of blew my mind with this uh, this interchangeability of toughness and adaptability, and I want to I want to kind of click on that. But I also want to reference that study and just say that I think you just might have really helped me understand something that we did. We did we meeting Entra. We did right on principle, not on expertise or competence. And that is like of all the online platforms that focus on entrepreneurial education and training, we are one of, I mean, I don't know that that there's anybody that actually ranks these things. It's not like JD Power puts out a, you know, gold star for us, but certainly from my experience, we're one of the best out there in terms of actually helping ordinary people achieve real successful entrepreneurial outcomes. And I, I have a lot of theories on why why we're good at that, but 
I think you just identified one that I don't think I had ever really thought about, which is, you know how like the typical online business guru, they want to tell you that like, hey, our my turnkey magic system, you just plug it in and push a few buttons and money will just sort of magically appear. And, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but if you follow the system, you can be assured that da, 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 right? They basically, they say, I'm not saying it's going to sound easy, but then they make it sound easy. Yep. Whereas our approach, because we're actually a personal development company that just uses professional entrepreneurial training as a forge in which to people to shape themselves. Yep. We're like, yo, this is going to be probably the hardest shit you've ever done in your life. You're get, like, it's going to be like, like grad school, therapy, marriage, reliving your childhood and like training biceps with Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> all folded into one experience. But there's two things I can tell you. One is you're going to be a better human. And the other is whatever your financial or professional goals are, this still is probably your best chance because you know you're not going to get there with your job that you hate yep. and don't get even half decent raises at, right? And yep. so we're just like super honest with people. And I always, we always took that position as a sort of an ethical stance. I don't think until you just pointed it out, like with the 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 chefs, that by telling people that up front, we're actually better preparing yes. them for a positive outcome. Yes. And man, so this is and this is the truth behind it. Stuff is simple. It doesn't mean it's easy though. And people often interchange those two things. Like the reality of a business, let's talk about it in simple terms. You need to have a really good product, you need to have really good marketing. And then you need to be able to sell. That's the process of just ground zero starting a business, right? Mm -hmm. But man, it's not easy. And like, let's let's even go to the next level with you guys, okay? Jeff, why do... So I used to laugh at companies until I really started doing it with my own where it's like, oh my God, these big companies have like 25 consultants that are talking to them and blah, blah, blah. And look at that. That's so stupid. And then it's like, have you ever played at that high of a level before? And then it's like, you won, you start when I, this really struck it for me. And I was like, I started to piece it together. Why are all these companies bringing in like these different consultants? It's like, they're filling the gaps for their competence. Mm -hmm. Totally. That's what they're doing. Right. And it's like, if you look at some of the biggest consulting firms in the world, McKinsey and co a data driven consulting company, they've got like over a hundred different kinds of consultants if I'm if I stand corrected. Fact like you can fact check me, but for reference, in their past, they've had over a hundred consultants in that business. And it's like, why do they do a $20 million deal for 25 minutes of time with ICE, the government? And it's like they're competent beyond all hell, which allows them to go in there focused, execute what they need to do, and come out on the other side. It's a truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, uh, it, it's business is this. I mean, we're, we're sort of, we're sort of talking around what I was saying, like business people like in, in, especially it's become really like popular nowadays to poo poo on capitalism and mm -hmm. greet, gre you know, rich people are greedy, which is to yeah. say, I mean, most rich people are business owners. That's kind of one of the only ways you get rich in this world. Um, yep. And like business is awesome. Yeah. Like you are, you are constantly leveling up and you're soft. See, people think like, oh, visit, 
wealthy people or not wealthy, but like business people are assholes. They're jerks. No, they're not. You can't. You think that Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, who came in after Steve Ballmer and after, you know, after Bill, you think he got that position by being a jerk to people? People love the way it feels to be in any kind of connection or relationship with that guy. That's why they want him leading the company. Yes. You have to develop so many skills, so many competencies, and so many essential, like deep character traits to be good at business. I don't think there's a better forge to create exemplary humans than Absolutely. business. Well, man, even look at it like somebody a lot of people look up to, but don't look at his real process. Warren Buffett. What's the man doing for five hours? Like everybody. This is what I don't understand sometimes. Like, and this is what I mean by real competence. Okay. There's there's a difference between um there's a difference, man, between like studying people's morning routines that everybody juices right. over because it's like, oh my God, again, the productivity porn. But it's like, look at what that man's doing. He's committed to whatever he wants to build. He's genuinely focused on building his competence for five hours a day. He reads and people are like, oh no, he just reads the papers. It's like, what do you think he's reading? Like, it's not, it's, you really think a man of that stature is just reading to just read. He's right, got right. everything at his fingertips. Like he's building, reading the he's comics built, or something. Yeah, right. It's like, he's building competence every freaking time. And then the guy goes and does these amazing things. And has he made, let's talk about it again has he made stupid errors yeah that toughness that's also why he's became more competent he's committed though he's rooted he built his competence up he focused he took his jab and hey he missed that punch okay so let's go back to the base and do it again that's what these resilient people are doing man and it's like these multi-millionaires if that's what you want to become it's all they're doing they just don't stop until they get it right yeah, you, you know, the, the, the thing I want to say I'm, in, in my last little bit in defense of wealth here, yeah. and then we'll, well, I want to dig into the toughness and adaptability thing, is that like people say, oh, so-and-so makes a lot of money. I, show me how how anybody makes money. I mean, ma making money is actually called counterfeiting and it's illegal. You don't make money. You receive money. You get other people give you money. The only way you make money is by receiving money in exchange for 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 what you actually made, which was value that you then gave out to the world. Mm -hmm. So right. th what I love about wealth is that it is an objective democratic assessment by the marketplace on the value that you have delivered it. Especially if you have a service business. Yeah. Especially, right? Because like, man, we are the we are the one of the most hardcore for being held to the flame against results. Mm -hmm. Right? So, like, that's hard. Sorry, go on. So I know we're, we're dwindling on time here. I really want to get into this toughness, adaptability. Um... Sorry, Jeff. I was just going to say one thing. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Let's just go through it. Like, let's keep giving them what they need. We'll talk uh, another time. Okay. Okay. Um, well, let's at least take the time here. So- yeah. Because you said something earlier that was, I think, important and that can be a gotcha for a lot of people, which is, and I'll even use myself, like, no, I've never taken a company from where Entra is to where we're trying to go. I've never done that before. Mm -hmm. And so it would be easy for me to psych myself out and say, but that's a that's like a chicken and egg conundrum, right? Well, until you've done the thing, how do you know you can do the thing? 
but how could you know you can do the thing until you've done the thing, right? And so, but but you you helped me a lot by saying toughness and adaptability are actually the same thing because I know I've been adaptable. I've adapted to a lot in my life, whether, I'm, well, I don't need to go through my biography. And so I think that what people can do is they can say, all right, I may not have a piece of evidence that supports exactly my ability to do the exact thing I'm trying to do in the exact context in which I'm trying to do it. But what are the attributes that I need in order to be successful at this? And what evidence can I go gather for those attributes? Yes. And can I, sorry, can I dive just two things I want to really get into this? Of course. Right? Yeah. This is your episode. This is something, go where you want. Yeah, like, th this is really something I've seen and had the privilege of doing business with European people compared to North American people. Okay. Mm. So first things first, let's talk about this process for a sec. Anybody who's accomplished anything in life, and I'll use a couple examples, they've decided what they wanted. They committed to the reality of the process. They've then taken action. They've adapted and then they've succeeded. Okay. So in that five-step process, if you go to the things that constantly are getting repeated on a daily basis, it's take action, adapt, take action, adapt, take action, adapt, right? And this is where it's like, you got to see yourself leveling up every single time, because what you're really doing is you're building competence, you're focused, you take action, doesn't work out the way you want. That's the toughness part. All right. Now you go back to the new place of competence. It's like, all right, what's the next skill? Well, last time I actually did really good with the marketing, but I sucked at closing the sale. Okay. Learn sales. Great. So then you do it again, right? Build competence. You're focused. You take action. And it's like, oh, you know what? I adapted that time and it worked. Boom, you're successful. Then you make a new decision of what you want. And that's that's what we're doing as human beings, right? It's like, doesn't matter if it's sports, doesn't matter what it is. Let's look at a real example. Tom Brady drafted 199th overall, right? In the NFL. So Tom Brady decided what he wanted. He committed to it. He took action. He adapted. He took action. He adapted. He took action. He adapted. And finally, he became Tom Brady. And everyone's like, no, he was always good. It's like, hmm. Go watch those highlight tapes when he was in college and then go watch his his combine videos. And it's like, that's a consistent adaption. And this is what I'm talking about with resilience. Like that's where it lies. That's where we come into play and we're the glue in it. It's like, man, it's just build competence, be focused, take action, adapt, competence, focus, take action, adapt. And it's like, you have to be willing to adapt. And the other thing I want to say, so going back to the European side, so that's the first part. The second part is this though, man, and this is what really sometimes frustrates me about North America at times with the way that business is done. Europeans have shown to have a much more methodical process from what I find in how they do things. And people laugh at them because they move a little slower sometimes. These people though, because I'm not saying if you've never run a multi-million dollar or billion dollar business, whatever you want, you can't do it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying though, you need to put in the methodical work of understanding what lies ahead. And sometimes where I notice in North America where people get it wrong sometimes is they're super hyped up on the rah-rah and I'm open to debate on this, but they rah-rah themselves to a point where they at times unethically do things because they don't fully understand that commitment to the reality of that process. I've seen it multiple times in the coaching business where people start to deal with this side like ourselves in emotion. Dude, we didn't take our stab at things until we put in four months worth almost of 
close to 300 backed research studies on how we were going to go and execute with an individual. Then we started on basic weight loss clients and how we were doing our coaching. Then we went to youth athletes. Then once we were doing that in the process, we started reaching out to the pros. My point is though, man, it's like, I think we really have to realize sometimes with this too, you can do it. You can't, I'm not arguing that, but you have to understand there's a big reality to this process you need to commit to where it's like, you need to do your research, man, and you need to do a lot of it. And you need to understand what's fully lying ahead of you because manifestation is great, but you can't manifest a billion dollars. Like you've got to understand the steps to take there. A vision's on, you need a vision, but you need to at some point address that awkward question of how do I do it? It's the truth. Well, I think you're, you, you sort of brought together two things that, that I think are really important to talk about and that are super right for the audience of the show. Um, and it's, uh, first of all, the, dis the dynamic between product and marketing Yep. and a lot of what the way you're describing, what you're describing shows up in American business is overemphasis on product or I'm sorry, on marketing Yes. and under emphasis on the quality of the product, because frankly, it it's a lot, it takes a lot more time and it's a lot, it, it's not that it takes more time you don't get any validation from the market when you're working on your product. The validation comes when you market it and everybody's in a hurt. They don't feel like they even have a real business until they're out there getting all this feedback and making sales and selling, you know, breaking records. And so, but the, you know, I call it product discipline mm -hmm. is how great businesses are built. And, and that's a, that's a dialectical tension that I've experienced in Entra where there's been a paradigm and, and frankly, this is part of, I, I think, what I've been insistent on, not out of like some, you know, wisdom or, or philosophical, whatever, specialness. It's more of like out of necessity of like, guys, at, at the level we're at, we're not going to get to the next level unless without, by focusing on better marketing or more marketing. It's going to be about the product. Like our our goal is actually needs to be to create a viral coefficient where we don't even need to market anymore. Mm -hmm. The product's just so good. Like that's actually the game, the, the long, real enterprise game of business. And the vast majority of entrepreneurs out there are just trying, they don't like the product. What? I don't know. I'll figure it out after I sell something. Right. Yeah. And then, but then the other thing that I want to tie that into is you were talking about, um, this adaptation where you like adapt, you know, take action, stumble, yeah. learn, adapt, implement, take action again. And this like recursive cycle. But the, the thing that I notice is people act like almost indignant or, or resentful about is they're like, man, okay. So I did this thing and I stumbled and I learned this lesson, but in order to actually get to test myself and try to do that thing again successfully, I have to go back and redo some stuff that I did pre that I did successfully previously just to get back to the point where the breakdown was before. So it's like they just they they don't it's like shoots and ladders. They don't want to have to like take the shoot back two levels yep. and have to reclimb. They just want to be able to go back to and just redo. They want a, a mulligan on just the thing they messed up, but that's not how business works. That's not how life works. You're probably going to have to go back and redo a whole bunch of stuff. Hell, you might have to rebuild a whole new business from scratch yeah. just to just to have 
the opportunity to see if you learned the lesson from the last time. And that could take five years. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, screw that. I just want to, I just want to do over. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm passionate about this because I've been there. Like literally I look at my last business. I grew an agency for like six years. I exited it. So I actually have exited a company, but I exit, but I, I didn't build it the right way. There was like, there was a, a weakness in the revenue model. I got absolutely like clobbered uh, at the, but from the buyer. And I ended up exiting that business for probably a 10th of what I could have if I had built it differently. But in order for me to see if I've learned the lesson of how to build a, a more proper business, I've spent the last five years building a new one. Like this is not a quick process and people want it to be. And so then they resent the whole thing and say, oh, entrepreneurship doesn't work. Yeah. Commit to the, reali- the reality of the process. Right. And it's like, listen, man, I'm going to, I'm going to keep pivoting on this point because I've seen this happen multiple times. One of our biggest claim to fame, claims to fame as a company is we've helped athletes at the professional level raise their contract anywhere from a hundred to four thousand percent. You've seen it. Some big. Um, we we've watched Dylan Cousins, a player in the NHL, this past year go from being a twenty-two-year-old kid to a twenty-two-year-old kid with forty-nine point five million dollars. We're about to watch the same happen with another guy named Pierre Luc Dubois. We're not taking any credit for that. What we're saying is this, though: these are individuals that have gone through that process you're talking about. Dylan Cousins has been doing it since he was, God, like 10 years old. Pierre-Luc Dubois has been doing it since he was 10 years old. They've had the resilience, though, to see it through until they got their paydays. And everyone's like, well, no, they're good. They're genetics. No, it's not, man. It's like great entrepreneurs. Oh, he's just gifted. Listen to me. Talent is crap. And, and I hate that word because it's like, oh, you're, you've got these gifts from God. Yes, we have the gift of life from the creator. Sure. But I'm going to say this. Lionel Messi. I'm always going to use this example. Eight hours a day at times, if you go read that man's biography on how long he would spend in the streets passively working on his skills because he wanted to beat his brother. And all of a sudden at 12 years old, he was found by one of the best clubs in Argentina. It's like, why was that? Well, literally since the age of four, this man was spending close to eight hours a day on the street playing football. Cristiano Ronaldo, a beast in sports. Same thing. Let's pivot to the business world. Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, this guy talks about Wine Library TV and how he's done what he's done. It's like, that wasn't by accident. That was countless hours of repetitions for people. All these greats that people see, and, and I really think, Jeff, like, so the personal development world calls it resourcefulness. Sure, you can call it that, and I'm I'm not arguing that, but the point is, there are individuals who are willing to consistently work on their competence. Sorry, they have a commitment, they work on their competence, focus, and they try it. And when it doesn't work, they do it again. Competence, focus, and they do it again. And it's almost like beating their head against a wall on the process of things. They're changing things as they're going along, but the process itself, they are beating their heads against a wall. Let me ask you about success. Successful people, right? It's not the most talented person. It's the one who puts in the most repetitions and has the most consistency. And they do that process over and over and over again. And eventually it's like, well, I've learned for the last 10 to 20 years. Now I've got this thing in front of me and it's a moneymaker and I'm one of the best in the industry. And I've done it because I've just consistently stuck to the process of figuring it out. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Angela Duckworth's work um, around grit. Sure. Her, her book is called mm-hmm. Grit. Um and I'm I'm curious, you know, that's again, 
we're we're arriving. We're 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 going the long way around to arrive at the same place. That of like I already know this. Every time I do an episode of this show now, I already know what the answer is because I've done <laughs> 250 of them, and it's I'm just I'm just accumulating more incontrovertible evidence at this point that this really is it. It's it's grit. It's resilience. It's resourcefulness. It's whatever. So, how do you? I mean, I'm asking this selfishly because again, I have thousands of people coming into an ecosystem basically saying, teach me the skills to bet on myself. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I will teach you the skills and the skills. It's like me giving you tools to build something with, but like they are not predictive of your success. Your success is going to come down to this stuff that, that, that we're talking about, right? Matt and Jeff. So where do you think that really comes from? Help me understand that, like that ability to keep going, that grit. Yeah, that that grit, that resilience, like, like where, I mean, damn it. I feel like if we could just figure it out and sell it in a bottle, we'd like, we, I mean, that'd be the, that's the mm. product the whole world needs. Like, where does this come from? And, and, and because I've, I've had enough stories on this show of like, it's people like getting bullied in school or my parents died in a fire or I had a guy on the show yep. that was like, got locked up in jail for a crime he didn't commit and had to, but like in the absence of external things happening to you, how does a person just build this muscle? Simple. You have a vision of how life can be better and you have emotional purposes as to back it up. That's it. So it's that, it's the whole getting clear on your why. You got to build yeah, a lot. It's like, like for me, it's like, and that's, that's why, again, it starts with a commitment. We call that a core hunger. You need a core hunger. If you just have a purpose and no vision, you're not going to do it. If you have a, a vision and no purpose, you're going to be in it just for the money and you're going to burn out. I just had a conversation. It's great that we were a little bit behind on starting today because it allowed me to have a conversation with an MMA fighter that we work with, a young, fine man who has been fighting for the last however many years. And he goes, Matt, I finally realized at my younger age, I don't like to fight. I said, what'd you fall in love with? He goes, I grew up on the streets. Uh, I was impoverished, And fighting was the thing that I said to myself in my head, I'm going to become a millionaire one day. He goes, but I, I didn't love fighting. Mm. I didn't love fighting. He goes, I'm not willing to go broke to fight. I, I'm more interested in becoming a millionaire. And I can totally relate to that because that was me with soccer, right? It's like, I didn't do soccer for the money. Like I was willing to go broke playing soccer. For me, I wanted so bad to be living in Italy because I heard all these amazing stories from my grandparents. I saw how they grew up and that was my direct connection because the first team I fell in love with was watching the Italian national team play against Sweden in a tournament. And all of a sudden that was my association. Soccer, Italy, I want to live there when I'm older. And then I got to 21 years old, 22. And I was like, I don't like this sport at all. Like I like it, but I'm not willing to go broke like Maradona or Pele or, or Messi or Ronaldo or any of them were I not even close, man, <laughs> dude, put, put something more sophisticated in a sense of business in front of me that gets me going. So yeah. for me, even now it's like, I know I'm good at what I do when it comes to, uh, leading and, and running businesses and so on. But my passion lies within, like I kind of, you said in the bio, like I'm genuinely passionate about moving things forward, genuinely passionate. And it's why we've taken a longer time to build this company. It's why we've taken eight years not to sell out and it's why we move slow. And it's like, 
I don't care about, I know where we're going. I know where we're going and I know exactly what it is that we're building. And it's like, I'm passionate about making sure no kid ever falls the way I do. I'm passionate about making sure that nobody has to go through what the MMA fighter did. I'm passionate about making sure, man, that people don't have to look at themselves in the mirror and feel like crap because I know that when you can't figure something out, that's what you do to yourself. I've been there. So, I mean, okay, this is a, a great, I feel like a great note to end on. Sure. Is like that if if you're lacking that resilience or you're feeling like, man, I know there's more in the tank, but I don't, I, I haven't accessed it. The answer isn't necessarily what you're, what I think you're saying is the answer isn't like, well, bear down, push harder or watch some productivity porn and get motivated. It's actually, maybe you haven't been fully honest enough with yourself about what you really want to do and why yep. you really want to do it. Because if you get to that, maybe the muscle builds itself. Million percent. Men, last thing I will wrap this up on. This is why when you have that vision of the life you could, like we talk about this with athletes all the time. Do you know many of our athletes play, Jeff, because they have other things they're investing in and that's what drives them about their sport? Like I, I, I referenced this in a different podcast I did a couple weeks ago. We had an athlete of an agency come to us. The guy's 32 years old. He's done everything, won everything that you possibly could in your sport. And it's like, now what? It's like, what are you building outside of sport, man? What about the foundation? And it's like, oh shoot, I'm really passionate about this, this, and this. A sport's my vehicle to get there right now while I'm playing. Eventually, I know I'm going to hang everything up because every athlete does. But right now, that's what's moving me. And I think another thing too, man, that people have to understand if you have that vision of going where you want to go and you really want it, you really want it and you're passionate about it. Like this is a word that's used wrong that I've seen a lot, a lot, man, of personal development people throw around. And it bugs me because I put myself in a headspin psychologically. Passion is not purpose. Okay. Purpose is why you're doing what you're doing. Passion lies within the thing that you're doing. I'm passionate about building this company on being a data-driven, resilience-based company. I'm passionate about that to help people. The reason I do it is because I genuinely want to help people discover and reach their true potential. But I also have other spinoffs of that purpose as well. I also want to do it because I feel bad for kids, which is why we go down to that educational route. And I feel bad for the youth athlete. But people often don't think, man, that you need to constantly reevaluate your purpose. I will tell you this from working with high net worth athletes, We've seen everything under the sun from supermodels to cars, to houses, to every piece of dollar and cent you could get. They are constantly redefining why they do what they do. Constantly. And it's like that passion of a vision so big. And what people have to realize is as an entrepreneur, it's like you, it's like us, right? I started in sports. Then I got really passionate about how I've been seeing kids get developed and that broke off to my purpose of like, well, help people discover and reach your potential. I got to go down that route. I got to find a way. Business people, hey man, why do we profile companies? Well, I watched multiple companies go out of business during COVID. One company we went in and profiled when we found out they were spending close to $225,000 a year on motivational speakers. When we profiled their, with their staff and had the group you know, average, only 5% of them liked motivational speakers and close to 95% of them liked workshops. Why are you wasting your time? That's what I mean, man. Like this whole thing, this cause of helping a better people and making a better version of people, that's a real thing, man. 
So like, yeah, this muscle of resilience, you got to have a vision of what you're passionate about. And then you need some deep rooted purposes. And if you feel that you're quitting, I would never go against my gut, man. Mm. I, that's what I'm saying that I'm learning with these high performers. Dude, 99.98% of the time that their gut has been on and they've trusted the advice of someone who's not feeling what they feel and, and in what they're in, they leaned on that other decision, man, and they've been wrong, including myself. Trust your gut. It's one of the realest things that goes back to ancient spiritual days. If you do the research, multiple people trusted their gut then and advanced the world forward. We got to wrap. How does the rest of the world, how does the audience go get more of this goodness? How do they get more of you? And, and if they're interested or have a, a, an application, how do they get Molliteum? Sure. Um, www.molliteum.com. Everything you need is there. Click on the um, strategy sessions. You can reach out to us. Do everything and anything under the sun on consulting for um, businesses to help people build more resilience, individual coaching. We've got a good staff. And um, just follow that M-O-L-L-I-T-E-U-M for anything social media and you'll find us. Awesome. Man, this has been everything I hoped it would be. Thank you. Uh, it's just been incredible to have you on the show. I'm so grateful to our friend for introducing us. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Yeah, find that vision, find that hunger. It's it's beyond worth it. And that might be the most struggling, the, sorry, the toughest process. But I'm telling you, once you get on the other side of it, it's well worth it. Well said. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you being a guest on Unlock Your Potential. And of course, to all you viewers and listeners out there, as I tell you every time, you're the best part of this show. You're why I do it every day. So glad we got to spend this time together and I can't wait to see you on the next one. Take care, everyone. Hey, it's Jeff here. If you liked this episode of Unlock Your Potential, it would mean so much if you would like and share the episode on whatever platform you're listening or viewing on. And if you really like what we're doing here and you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a review. There is so much work that goes into these episodes and you leaving a positive review lets us know that that work is reaching people and especially it helps us reach other people. Your review could be the reason that someone else decides to tune in, check out this podcast and unlock their potential and ultimately level up the quality of their life. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support and for listening, especially if you like or share or leave a review. Thank you for helping us spread the word and thank you for unlocking your potential to go make the world and your world a better place.